Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Stetson. And I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're doing Pitch Me the Cons, Quick News, and diving into subscription services and the subscription economy. Yeah, this is, we're bringing back a, a segment that we did once before, Pitch Me the Cons, doing, of course, Quick News. And we're doing this scripture. I was just recapping what you were saying in case someone had a mini nap during your initial uh, overview of what we're doing in this episode. Right. Did you appreciate Where are we that? Should we, should we dive into our favorite segment? No, actually, we're going to have our first not sponsored segment uh, where we're going to be not sponsored by something. You know, we're a small podcast and maybe, you know, even if, if we do eventually, once we get enough subscribers and enough people listening to be sponsored, maybe we still won't be sponsored. Uh, you know, a lot of podcasts are, they're heavily sponsored, you know, they're like, yeah. They have brands reaching out left and right. They're integrating them into the show. You're interrupted. And, the story takes a break. Yeah. And so I think it's really, it might be worthwhile for if we're a podcast that talks a lot about, you know, brands and tech and stuff like that, maybe we should be the one place where you can actually get the truth about products and services and stuff like that, because we're not taking money from, uh, from brands. That's right. We are not next episode. Sponsored. Next episode. We are now taking money from brands now. <laughs> but <laughs> we're yeah, turning so around. we're going to each I think we're going to each get 30 seconds uh, to tell you about a company we're not sponsored by or, or an idea we're not sponsored by. So let me get my timer up here stats and you can go first. All right. Okay. Ready? I'm it, ready to it go. It doesn't matter if you're not ready because we're going to start right now. You're always thirsty. You need water. You need to stay hydrated and Fuel your body to feel good. Swell is a water bottle I've been using. It provides insulation. So there's an interior metal enclosure and then an air gap and then an out exterior metal enclosure. This installation barrier keeps your beverage chilled and refreshed so you can enjoy it at its optimal temperature. They have fun designs and they're a company I really enjoy. And I would recommend you check out their water bottles as well to stay Done. hydrated and style. Stop, stop. Nice try. Um, I actually thought that was pretty good. I thought you were gonna do it for water, is what I thought. Yeah. For drinking more water is what you should have. That's that's the non-sponsor. I would have. You liked. would have you would have opt you know joined that bandwagon, got some water. Yeah. But Gabe, what yeah. are you drinking right now? Uh, I would like to say that I'm drinking a uh, Vita Cocoa. Uh, nice. Ah, sparkling Vita Cocoa. We're on the brand. We're on the brand. Uh, I mean, we're in the competition now. I think there's also. There's so many sponsored and non-sponsored segments and brands in this episode. It's getting confusing, but we're under the competition, I think, to see if Vita Coco will sponsor sponsor us first or Swappa. Those are the only <laughs> two brands we could ever be sponsored by. Is what I think we're going to come down to. We'll let you know uh, when we are officially sponsored by one of those. But I think uh, I think should we just make that rule right now? That agreement that those are the only two brands. Those that are can the sponsor? only two we'll say yes to. <laughs> yeah, those are from here on out. Uh, tweet at those brands. Let them know that. If they want to sponsor us, it's exclusively only them. We're only open to them. Yeah. We will say yes. Yeah. All right. Okay, Gabe, should I get my shot clock ready to go? Yeah, get your shot clock ready. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yep. Go. How many of the teeth in your mouth do you like? Do you just like your front one, your back one, your side one? I bet you like all those teeth. And you know what all of those teeth like too? They like flossing. Because guess what? Brushing your teeth, that doesn't just clean... Uh, in between them that cleans only the front and maybe the back if you do a little bit more but flossing is the one way to clean all of your teeth get all that stuff out there maybe that popcorn kernel truck way up there in your teeth so floss every day 
It's important. It's healthy. It's the right thing to do. Bing. Nice, right? That's how you do a segment. Okay. I mean, no, let me I, just get the spinach out of my teeth now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see. I, Gabe, I guess you're really into flossing now. That's great. Well, I just, it's, I mean, this is just something I started recently. I've whoa, always. Whoa, what? You recently, well, recently started? recently started, started doing more. I always would, I always would floss, but for me, the thing is I have really big hands. So it was hard for me to do, uh, like actually flossing. So I, I'm talking, this is only supposed to be a 30 minute sec, 30 second segment. Oh yeah. Now we're getting so into it. I can't talk about it too much. Basically re-listen to it again and you'll understand that. You'll understand why it's important to get that yeah. corn kernel out. Or maybe water pick. I don't know. There's more of the right, let, handles. I mean, let us know what but you're not anyways, sponsored by. That is enough. Yeah. Tweet at us what, what you're not sponsored by. But anyways, that was way too long. We got to cut that down. Quick news, quick news, quick, quick news, quick news, quick news, quick news is quick actually quick the quick thing. Quick news, quick news. We have a lot of things in this segment that are going to be in this episode that are going to be quick or that have quick in the title or short in the title, but are actually super long. And quick news, quick news, quick news is just one of them. So what's up first in quick news? Well, there's a uh, lot think, of gaming-related news. First yeah, off... Yeah, so what, what's just around the corner, Gabe? Uh, E3. E3. And yeah. what is that? What like What's happening? E3 is... Uh, they bring these three elephants uh, down to the Times Square, and they, it's this art exhibit, I think, that they're opening up, right? Okay, so now you know what the E, e is for elephants, I'm presuming? And the three is for that there's three of them. Wow, that's brilliant. That is that, brilliant. That is what I'm. That is what I'm gonna go with right here. Now, E3 so, is a, a yearly uh, gaming conference that takes place in California. I'm pretty sure in Anaheim, and yeah, it's you have all the big brands there from Microsoft to EA, uh, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Nintendo, and all of them have conference uh, like uh, what press conferences that they have essentially. It's it's basically like Apple gives keynotes. And E3 is basically a gathering of gaming brands, and this they come the, together. This is the NAB of gaming, or CES of yeah, gaming. Yeah, they, they each, they'll have booths, and they will also give uh, more proper full-on presentations, announcing their new hardware, new games, basically things to get consumers excited, ready about what's next in the gaming industry. Yeah, I know we're not really a big gaming podcast, that you'll have to listen to our GameCast, our new podcast coming out uh, July of Never. No. So, but I think this is something that's notable mentioning because gaming is a very interactive way of storytelling uh, and it pushes a lot of, you know, trends in the industry as far as, you know, filmmaking. You know, sometimes, you know, you get films made from video games. Sometimes you get games made from films. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in storytelling. And it's also just a big thing that pushes technology because, it's always based on computers or gaming devices, and yeah, that's basically I think my take on that. Esports is becoming significantly bigger, and uh, the industry is getting larger. More and more people are getting into it. I could see gaming and esports overcoming traditional sports um, in the not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, we're both huge gamers. I know. I personally <laughs> uh, buy a whole one video game a year to play, so. I my gaming so PC it. is currently in my closet. That's that's where all the best gamers <laughs> keep their gaming PC. I'm I'm sorry for any actual gamers who are just like cringing, oh, convulsing are, uncontrollably just, from hearing that. We are just oh destroying every everything. I'm sorry. Uh, let me just let me just grab my uh 
I don't know. I don't even know what. Let me grab my controller here uh, and hit the X button to Delete. go back. Is that what it <laughs> go does? back? Just kidding. <laughs> so no, so anyways, what, what, what are I was going to talk about E3. E3 exactly. Thank you, Stetson. What are we seeing there? Well, we don't really know because it hasn't happened yet. It will be happening pretty much exactly after we stop uh, recording this episode, which is just <laughs> lovely. And Beautiful by the time timing. we put it up online, yeah, by the time we put it up online, there'll be more press conferences happening. But whatever, you know, what is going to be happening is Microsoft is going to be talking about their new future of Xbox, which is likely going to be called the Scarlet. Uh, I know Sony's already announced some specs on their new PS5 that's coming out. We have EA that's uh, announced some new games. Bethesda, Ubisoft, and Nintendo all have more press conferences coming up starting June 11th, the Monday. Uh, or no, is June 11th Monday? No, June June 10th Monday, sorry. And then June 11th, Tuesday, uh, and the rest of the week. You'll be, yeah, just keep an eye out on the gaming, you know, bookmark gaming uh, websites and uh, set a Google alert for gaming news or follow some stuff on Twitter because there'll be some interesting news coming out uh, talking about pretty much what you're going to see for the next year in the gaming industry. Absolutely. And uh, to clarify, so PlayStation, Sony has already come out and announced some of the next generation specs for the PlayStation 5. It will support up to 8K resolutions for all of your 8K TVs. Oh, I have five of them. Yeah, I see you have your house. Basically, the whole wall is lined with just 8K TVs. Yeah, yeah. You get you get three of them, and then you have 24 carats, right? Yeah, that's exactly how. Yeah, boom. Um, the system's going to include an SSD for significantly faster launch times and reduced load times and more expensive PC, price. PC gamers will know this, and no? yes, this okay. is true. The price can shoot up. Uh, Sony is shooting to have ray tracing, which is a powerful graphics technique. Uh, supported by the PlayStation 5 for really high-quality graphics, particularly relating to water particles and just how things interact. Yeah, are ray, in the ray tracing is basically what you see a lot in uh, movies nowadays that is making, you know, like, for example, the new Lion King. Disney's doing all these live-action remakes. So, like, Lion King or the Jungle Book where, you know, there's dust in the air and there's particles and you can have light coming through from different directions. And it just... It takes a lot more processing power, but it really has a significant impact on how good the image looks and how real it looks. And yes, Sony's announcing they're going to be bringing it to the new PS5, but I'm pretty sure Xbox is going to be having the same thing or comparable. And we will find out literally later today, um, quickly finishing up with the PlayStation 5. It's going to support AMD's third gen Ryzen, a core processor. Uh, GPU is going to be a variant of the Radeon Navi family. And it's going to provide 3D audio without any additional hardware. And it's going to be backwards compatible with your favorite PS4 titles and PlayStation VR. Yep, that's pretty exciting. But in other news that isn't gaming consoles, Google is making it so you probably won't need a gaming console possibly. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of funny how they, they positioned this the announcement about Google Stadia the week before or like the couple of days before E3 to be like, well, you know, Sony and Microsoft, you're going to be announcing these new expensive consoles. Well, check a load of this people. So what exactly did they say and announce? So basically what Google Stadia is, is we talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast, but you are essentially leasing a computer that's in a Google data center to stream games over the internet 
uh, like Netflix. So it's basically the Netflix of gaming. But you, this isn't a very powerful computer, is it? Oh, it's a really powerful computer. Yeah. Google like hyped that it up. Setup? That was a that was a right on a T yeah, like ball for you. Right, yeah. Knocked it out of the park. Boom. Uh, or onto the green. I don't a golf metaphor, baseball metaphor. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, I didn't specify. Sorry. That was my bad. That's okay. It's a really powerful computer in Google's data server, more powerful than these next gen consoles. It's gonna be able to support 4K gaming at uh, 60 frames per second, even HDR content, 5.1 surround sound, and basically all of the specs you dream of while gaming. Of course, a lot of people are concerned about lag and latency, uh, so we have yet to see about that. But to get in on Google Stadia, it's just $130. Wow, for a year? This this is uh, to get started, so it's uh, okay. $130. You're getting the stadia controller which you don't need you can just use a chrome browser on your gaming pc and it will include a chromecast ultra and this is what you plug into your tv you do need the chromecast ultra version instead of just a regular chromecast uh, and that'll allow you to support the 4k 60 gaming um on your hdr tv and then is it is it 9.99 a month or something like that i think yeah so the way the way the pricing works this was kind of a hit and miss on google's part right so they have Stadia Pro. This is going to be $9.99 a month. And what you're getting is 4K gaming at 60 frames per second, the 5.1 surround sound, and you're going to get exclusive discounts on select game purchases and access to a free game library. We don't really know what's going to be included in the free game library yet. Google has announced that Destiny 2 or Destiny 3, the collection, will be there. Um, but we really don't know what's in store in terms of the free person uh, in the the free version of it, and we also have the base version, which is going to be coming out. What's notable is you still will have to purchase your games. It's kind yeah, of that, like that. I think is kind of weird because usually you have like Xbox Game Pass and stuff, and you're we're used to uh, you know being able to. Yeah, all right, I subscribe to this gaming service, and then I get all these games. But this is. You subscribe to the service, and that just gets you the ability to play games on it. Yeah, you'll get a couple free games, but then if you really want the new ones, you have to pay for them. Yeah, so it's like you get Netflix, but then you still have to pay to watch each individual movie. Yeah, I think I think the difference is, though, that people have to remember you're actually subscribing to hardware. I liked how you said that, where you're leasing out a computer on Google's in Google's cloud. Because that's essentially what it is. Instead of going out and buying a, count, a console for, you know, possibly $400, $500, you're saying, hey, I'm going to subscribe. to." It's funny, we're talking about this on our subscription episode, but you're saying, hey, I can subscribe to this, you know, uh, Google Stadia, and I will always have the fastest, most new, uh, you know, best gaming PC, essentially, linked to me via the cloud, and then I can just buy whatever games and play them that I want on my, you know, gaming uh on my actual computer, on my uh, TV, or on right now they're supporting Pixels, uh, the Pixel 3a and Pixel 3, but I know in the future, hopefully it's going to be iOS and all Android devices. Yeah, and you know, I, people do seem to have mixed feelings because in a sense you are paying for the service and then paying for the games. I actually think this is okay, and the reason it's okay is you will own the games you purchase, and you only need to pay if you want Stadia Pro. Launching in oh, early okay. 2020 is the Stadia base version, which is going to be free, supports 1080p gaming at 60 frames per second, stereo sound, 
you're not going to get access to the free game library, but if you're paying for a service, they're not really free anyway, and um, you're still going to be able to buy games whenever you want. So, in a sense, the free version is like you get the Chromecast Ultra or you have your PC and that's your console, and then you're literally just paying per game. If you want to up the quality, that's when you're paying for Stadia Pro, and I'm sure there'll be other perks in there as well for people who are more enthusiastic about gaming and want higher quality. That that does uh, make a lot more sense, and it kind of follows the line of Google offering stuff that you usually have to pay for for free. You know, I mean, that's been their whole mo this you know the past ten years or so. Like Gmail, Google Maps, they offer all these really good free services that get you in the door to hopefully buy their products and pay extra, or that they can sell ads to you. And I think the big thing here is you do need because you're streaming games, you do need a really good internet. So. Uh, the requirements here are 35 megabits per second for 4K gaming at 60 frames per second. And you can get away with the minimum requirement of about 10 megabits per second. That'll give you 720p gaming at 60 frames per second. So, Gabe, I know we're not huge gamers. Well, I know, actually, this is quick news, so I might have to scrap whatever question you were going to say or pitch you're going to do okay. there. Because... I was going to say, like, who is this for? Would you get this? Uh... I'd look into maybe trying it just because it's a cool thing, but personally, I'm, I rarely game. I game so little that a subscription doesn't make sense because I'm not going to, I don't want to pay constantly for something I'm going to use. Like maybe, okay, I'm going to use it that one month when it's like a snow day or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think there is definitely a question about the audience for this. Like it's for people who don't want to pay for a really expensive console, but who can pay the hundred dollars a month for really fast internet. It's for people who don't want to switch. They want something portable they can play on their phone, but they also need to carry the controller around, which is pretty bulky. It's We have to see where this fits into the gaming niche, but it's definitely big as we cover all the gaming news this week and we hear what happens at E3. And we're definitely flying through this news quick because it is quick news, quick news, quick news, quick news. Next, coming up, we have DJI, my personal, one of my favorite companies out there. And uh, famed drone they, maker. They make action. Oh, what drones? Yeah, they're they're drones. I know, right? You I wouldn't thought know they were it. Action cams, huh? Yeah, I know. A lot of people have been confusing them that they only make action cams, but no, they just they are a drone maker who just makes crappy action cams uh, that say they're going to compete with GoPro, but are really a lot worse. Uh, ouch. DJ, I hope you're not listening to this. Sorry. There goes I don't that mean sponsorship don't, game. I don't mean come it. on. I mean, I love you, TGI. Please come back. Anyways, they released a video in typical typical DJI fashion, a very cryptic video this past week that shows a lot of nothing, really. Uh, you know, there's some shots of wiring, some bright light lens flares, some basically just close-up shots of whatever product they're releasing. And this sent the internet a buzz. Uh, the event is scheduled for, or the announcement at least, I don't know if there's actually going to be an event, but they're going to announce this product on June 11th, so Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, yep, the day after this co episode comes out, and a lot of people are thinking that this could be something different than a drone. The tagline uh, is learn to win, and the voiceover in the, in the video says DJI was built by tireless engineers who never stopped looking for answers and pushing boundaries. Now get ready to push yours. If you're ready to win, be prepared to learn. What? what? I mean, it seems pretty, yeah, very, if I said cryptic, I just want to stress how cryptic this is because it's like, 
All right. Yeah. Um, who knows what they're going to be really releasing? A couple ideas are possibly a new drone, maybe, you know, a Mavic Air 2 or a Spark 2 uh, with a bit more FPV uh, racing thing because people think, all right, learn to win. You know, a lot of people want to pick up and learn FPV racing. So maybe that. Another thing is that it could possibly be some sort of ground based gimbal, like a car or, you know, a slider type thing because there is some shots in the video that kind of look like wheels. Uh, yeah, people really are not quite sure what they're going to be releasing, but uh, it's going to be interesting probably. DJI is teasing us. I'm, I'm excited. I think even if they don't always make the best products, case in point, the action cam, they do make really cool products with a lot of amazing technology. Yeah, I've just been a little bit uh, kind of a bit put off by them especially with this action cam because i feel what this was was a very much a grab for just making some quick profits because they're like we already have the tech from the pocket osmo of you know the small putting a small camera um let's just get a you know develop a casing that's waterproof and stuff and just expand our osmo brand we know that there's a market for action cameras out there so yeah that that's what that kind of felt like i'm hoping that this is an FPV drone. I think that would be really cool uh, because that's something they haven't gone into and no real company other than real dedicated like radio controlled brands and like hobby brands have gone into. This would be the first time other than I guess Parrot or some brand like that, that a real uh, consumer electronics brand has gone into FPV drone racing. I mean, yeah, I'll look forward to it. So yeah, I mean, keep an eye out on their website. I know if you're in the US, if you go to the website DJI um, and click on the learn to win page and go to that and then scroll down, if you enter their e your email, they're going to have a giveaway for an Osmo Pocket, I think, or an Osmo Action or something like that. So you could win there. Um, and then they'll obviously then they'll send you an email uh, about what they actually announced. So you won't have to go back to their site and or, their, you know, follow them on Instagram or whatever. I might do that. I would love to yeah. win an Osmo Pocket. Those things are so cool. I mean, the chances I've signed up for millions of contests online, never won one. So the chances are very slim to none, but whatever. Who cares? Better, better to have news. a chance than not a chance. Moving on to Gabe. something that you don't have to win, but you can buy starting June 30th, the Bose Headphones 700. So what, Gabe, what is so special about these headphones? I thought Bose already made headphones. They were already doing pretty well. Well, these What's are the, the ones these? that, these are the ones that, What's so special for you is that these are the ones you've been waiting for. They're your dream date. You've been uh, waiting back, I think, since January for Bose. I've been, I've been swiping on Tinder, getting no yeah. matches, and then You're all like, of a sudden, when, when is bam. the Bose headphones, the follow-up to my the QC35 twos, going to be released? And Bose said, all right, wait till June, and then boom, we're going to drop them. But we're not going to call them the QC35 threes or the QC45s like a lot of people thought. They're called something entirely new. They're called the Bose Headphones 700, which is... Where does really, that even come from? It's a very obnoxious name, I think, personally. Uh, but it's not just like they slapped a new name on this product and, you know, like some new colors for the QC35s and called it a day. There are some pretty cool new features. Uh, they have eight microphones built into the headphones. Um, two of them are dedicated to picking up your uh, voice. And then the other two are dedicated, or there's four on each side, but the other two on that side are dedicated to canceling out sound. So hopefully it has really good sound cancellation. 
Uh, it does have USB-C charging like you wanted sets in. Yay. That's what I was waiting for. And the one thing that is kind of, you know, a lot of uh, news articles online have been making a big deal of is the Bose AR that they are advertising. They are advertising. Are, advertising. are they? I would take this with a grain of salt because I think it's one of those things that Bose was like, hey, what's a hot new like buzzword now? Oh, AR. All right, let's put something in with that. And yeah, basically they're releasing an APK, which is a set of files and kind of like a manual and ability for app developers to incorporate features that the headphones have, but it's going to, but to really realize the full potential of it, you're going to need, you know, all these app makers to buy into, all right, this is something we're going to use in our apps. So you'd need like the ability to, for Google maps to say, Hey, if you're wearing these headphones and you look at a building, We'll be able to tell you what building that is and like what restaurant or whatever and give you information all over audio. It's a unique concept and an interesting idea. It's fascinating. Bose is the first to market with this kind of uh, platform. Although we had an announcement at CES where, um, what was the headphone company? They had like uh, 3D I think it was sound. Dolby, but it was Dolby. slightly different. That was more uh, 3D sound where you could have, it was somewhat similar, but yeah, it's basically it's like, trying to... Yeah. It's integrating your location with your audio experience. Exactly. Like usually headphones are a very personal experience. And this is trying to, instead of being locked off from the world, headphones connect more with your environment, basically. So that that's all we have for quick news. Yeah. Well, these will be out June 30th for $400. Stetson, are you going to pre-order them? I have not yet pre-ordered them. I'm thinking about it. $400 is a lot for a listening experience. I may wait for the reviews to drop and then uh, heavily consider picking them up. Yeah, I I mean, you know me. I buy every over-ear headphone that comes out. I haven't pre-ordered them yet, but they look very enticing. The one thing that I wish they would fix is they say, oh, these are like the smart headphones. They have a smart assistant, but they really only have Alexa. They, oh, no. I just triggered my Alexa. Ah, I've done it again. I can't go one episode without this. Anyways, they have Alexa baked in so that if you say Alexa when you're wearing these headphones, I turned it off and muted it now. <laughs> um, she, you know, you can actually voice activated, but that's only works with Alexa and not Google Assistant or Siri. So are they claiming it will work with all three of them, though? The, no, they're they're claiming that it's like very integrated into all voice assistants, but it's really not at all with Siri and it's only with Google if you hit the button. So... So it's voice activated with Alexa and then everything else you have to physically click a button on the headphone. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not like the AirPods have Siri where you can say, you know, hey Siri and then, oh no, did I just activate every device I have? <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those who don't know and can't see this right now, Gabe is a headphone yeah. expert. He's got a wired pair of Audio-Technica's on. He's got his Bose QC35s on top of that. He's got another pair of oh, old okay. headphones. He's no, just got I a don't stack. Actually, guys. I, I only have two headphones on right now, uh, but I do like my headphones, and I like having good headphones because a lot of times I'm wearing headphones because I don't want to bother the people around me with sound when I'm video editing and playing the same three-second clip <laughs> back over and over just to get the audio right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. so That's kind of a, you. A good pair of cans to put on your head is a good thing for a man when he's in bed. What? That was a rhyme. Oh, yes, pair, yes, it's true. A good pair of cans to put on your head is a good thing for a man when he's in bed. It's 
honestly, good Actually, audio. Actually, wait, Bo, hello, Bose. They just called. They want to buy that phrase from me. Oh my god! Well, thank you, Mr. Bose. Uh, yes, I will accept. Dave, no, wow. no, no, no. We already made an agreement. I just sold that 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 line, and and they bought the podcast. So I guess we're gonna have to end it. Um. Well, this is all right. Anyways, that was quick news. Quick news. Quick news. Quick news. In about thirty minutes. So we're working on it. Once again, it doesn't live up to its name. Now moving on, we're gonna do pitch me the cons. Uh, if you don't remember this segment it is basically every keynote and every you know presentation most notably apples are very splashy very you know filled with buzzwords chromey the finish oh look how pretty it is yeah they tell you the best part about the products but what don't they tell you the cons exactly we want to give you the real the real negative reviews but put in a nice format so it's presented very nicely and still with that nice polished finish, right? Yes. All right. I think I'll go first this time because I think the original one you went first. Uh, Dave, what did what did you do for your first one though? My original one was was it the iPad? No, I did the iPad. Don't take mine. That's what I did. Remember, because I came out your iPad Pro. I think you did the Pixel Slate, maybe. I think I did the Pixel Slate. We both did tablets. Yeah, you're both right. Both did tablets, which was an interesting thing. But let's see where we go with this one. All right. Give me the pitch. Ready. Let's set the... There's a nice clap as I come on stage. Golf clap. Thank you, everyone, for coming out here today. Uh, and today, for this keynote, we will be having a new product, which we are very excited to introduce. Now, first off, we'd like to say, forget about how we gave the info of over 220 million of our users away to Russia via Cambridge Analytica in uh, 2016. All right, forget about that. Did you forget about it? It's maybe gone, I shouldn't I have, Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it again in the beginning, but whatever, just forget about it. We're moving on. That That is in the past. Uh, we would like to give you a product that will go right in your home. So no longer are we restricted to your laptops and your phones. This is a product that you can put right on your kitchen countertop, in the sacred space of your home, right in your child's bedroom, and we're going to connect you. Now, we think the best way to advertise this is with emotional ads that talk about children reading bedtime stories, calling your mother on Mother's Day. Yes, we will be releasing these ad campaigns to pull at those heartstrings, so eventually that we will give you an 18-inch tall product that costs $350, or a 9-inch tall product, it costs $199 and only has a 720p screen on it. What? Both of these products will have amazing, amazing features for you. And for us, more importantly, they'll be able to collect a lot of data from you on who you call, when you call, how you call, and how long you call. So we can control your timeline and get you to use Facebook more often. And the crowd goes wild with excitement. Wow. Now, now let's just say, first off, uh, we would like we know that you think that we should say that privacy is very important to us. So we will say just that. Your privacy is very important to us. However, like I said before, we are going to collect a lot of data from uh, how you use this product. And yeah, basically, we're going to know more about you because of this. Now, like I said, the prices for them, $199 and $350. Very expensive, I know. Uh, however, to show you how much we really just want you to start giving us more data on you and getting these products into your house, 
we're going to be dropping the prices constantly. Father's Day, boom, we'll slash the price in half. Mother's Day, boom, get two of them for your mom and you and for the price of one. All these deals, all the stuff show just how cheaply made these products are. But you can really make a statement of, I don't care about how things look or how design is, or I'm very susceptible to emotionally driven marketing campaigns by having one of these on your countertop. With that, we'd like to present, what is it, Stetson? This is the Facebook portal. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. Oh, by the way, I should mention that this also has facial recognition. So we'll know who's going in and out of your house and stuff like that. And I know we say we're not using the camera and you can cover it up with tape, but who really does that? But yeah, we might also be turning that on in the background. Yeah, I Are you going to get one? Uh, be making of them? a blast Three radius of around this Four product. Do you want five of them? I want one in every room every of my room. house. Every room. Exactly. You that, know what? That's the I want choice. two in every room, one facing each direction. Yeah, basically, I think this is a crazy product. If you've never been into a Best Buy, which is pr- pretty much the only place that has these on display, um, it is a huge and just obnoxious looking product. Very clunky. Basic, yeah, exactly. It's so clunky. Essentially, all it is is an Amazon Echo with like blown up by three and then with a screen stuck on it. The one key feature that's kind of cool is that it can follow you around in the room, but that's also kind of creepy, you know? So, yeah, basically, what can we do? don't get this. Don't get I, this product. Yeah, it's not a good product. It's almost like a dedicated device for FaceTime. Yeah, or for for face the Facebook Messenger. You because that's the thing. Messenger. You can only use the Facebook Messenger video chat. You can't use, you know, FaceTime, Skype, Google Duo. None of those, only Facebooks. So it's a yeah. dedicated video chat for for something that I don't like to video chat on, and yeah, and yeah, no, just, this no. is this is it no. looks awful, and I mean it's really actually honestly this was hard to sell me to sell this product, uh, to sell the cons of this product over audio because really the biggest con of this product is the look, like it's that's so all you need chunky. to see, yeah, so. Yeah, hope you guys like the Facebook portal. Um, thank you. Yeah. But now we have our next keynote coming up. It's and it's you know it's really hard to follow dim. that. I I want to thank everyone for coming out here today and for listening to our exciting announcement. I we have something. We have something really great in store for you today, and I think I think we're really you're really gonna love it. Um, we're introducing. This is actually a messaging service. It's been out for a while. And Ooh. it is cross-platform. I know a lot of you are really looking for a way to message between your friends. You want it to be, uh, you know, really fast, a great experience. Um, and this is something you can use or, or you may consider using when you're traveling internationally as well. Uh, Gabe, I mean, do you have an idea of where this is going right now? I don't particularly. I mean, I almost think you're doing like WhatsApp or something like that. Yeah, WhatsApp. So... Uh, we're we're not doing WhatsApp. That uh, you know that would that's actually a good a good product. Um, this one this one it's got some great features. So, uh, you know your friends they may ramble on for way too long. You just can't get them to stop. So we are introducing a 160 character limit. Keep everything nice and short. If you are concerned that maybe you don't look so great in some of the photos that people are sharing, no worries. We're gonna compress all of your images because we have a 600 kilobyte max file size 
and you, you know who even needs messages to be delivered you know maybe maybe you want private messages or you want to take it back we have a best effort message delivery system so we don't even have a guarantee that your messages will be delivered not only that we have a fabulous delay keeps everything the conversation is spaced out it'll take the whole day to communicate what you want to say in just a few sentences and um if if you have a longer message if you have that friend who is typing that book and they go over that 160 character limit we have a really fun feature called auto sort where the messages are actually delivered randomly only based on on the size of the message so it's broken up and the chunks are delivered individually and then it's a fun game to piece together what the message actually says is this sms this is sms uh this is texting. I do love that I do love that game though that you mentioned. That does sound enticing. Yeah, it's it's a really fun feature and oh my god. So, I thought of this because um texting it's been around for a while and Dieter from The Verge on another podcast I listened to kind of like briefly touched on it as we're making a push to RCS or rich communication services, which is going to be essentially iMessage for Android. And there are so many problems and flaws with SMS, but yet so many people use it on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, I can remember, uh, I mean, I've been on iMessage for a while, but I still remember the days when it was pretty regular to get those, you know, six text messages that are in like, all right, this person said, hey, just wanted to let you know if I... The other day I was walking and it's like, <laughs> oh gosh, where do I piece these together? And you got to like, all right, you this no one idea. comes here. Like, yeah, oh, that is, that it, is really brings me back. For something that's so bad, it's unencrypted. So, and when it is encrypted, it's encrypted very poorly. So it's actually pretty susceptible to, to kind of attacks and things like that. And there were an astonishing three and a half billion active users at the end of 2010. Wow. So... SMS, especially in the United States, is very much here to stay for the moment, and it could it could really use some improvements. Uh, do we know when RCS or whatever it is is going to be rolling out more broadly? R- RCS was announced in 2016, and many of the new phones actually support it. The problem is that carriers are not supporting it. So what we're waiting on right now is for carriers to update their systems to support the new RCS standard and to make messaging a whole lot better and will this be able to bridge the gap between iphone and android essentially yes but there's an asterisk apple has to choose to support it and because they've already established imessage which is part of their brilliant walled garden uh they're making no such effort to support rcs man that is a shame because that that is we we recently went through that whole uh, complication of you were switching from your iPhone, you were trying out some new Android phones, and we were trying to figure out how to get texts because you could send texts to me from no matter what phone, but you know, you would switch from uh, your iPhone to your Android, and then my phone would still be trying to send them to your iMessage. And like, I had to create a whole new fake contact for you that was just your phone number, and like, <laughs> it was a me- and turn off iMessages, and like, yeah, it was just a mess. It's, yeah, it is a mess. And Apple has done it so beautifully, it's so hard to leave iMessage once once you've started. It really is. For those Android users, 
uh, don't go to iPhone, I guess, if you don't want to be hooked on iMessage forever. And, and the thing is, like, in other countries, as you mentioned, WhatsApp is really popular. That's what people are using infinitely better. The problem is in the United States, it didn't catch on because SMS is basically included for free in almost every carrier plan we have right now. Whereas in Europe, yeah. they charge per message and those rates are expensive. That Those expensive messaging rates are what drove everyone into WhatsApp and for free messaging service that uses data. United States, we didn't have that. SMS and all of its glory or, or not glory, just how bad it is. Yeah. That became extremely popular. And, uh, you know, until Apple introduced iMessage, it was really the dominant messaging platform. So, well, hopefully we'll see your new product being phased out then. That's yeah, the, I, I actually hope. hope it is diminished and, and disappears forever. Yeah. Well, that was Pitch Me the Cons. Uh, yeah, let us know if you have some products you think we should pitch and hit us up on our Twitter, Pitch Me pitch me the cons dot now <laughs> pinch to zoom podcast uh or pinch to zoom pod pod on twitter yes until we until we get the original pinch to zoom we will still be We're working on the it. pod on the end but anyways moving on to our main segment our main topic for this episode subscriptions how many things do you subscribe to stetson i subscribe I, it's almost hard to count i i should have maybe if i change this to a numbered list I, like almost well over 10 yeah, probably. I, I think I'm. Yeah, I'm about ten at least. Uh, I know you. We're both. Are you subscribed to YouTube Premium still? I am a YouTube Premium subscriber. Yeah, we're the probably the only two people out there. Not really, but uh, yeah, it's, it's YouTube. Decent. YouTube Premium, I think, is good because it's uh, ad free, and you know uh, you can download stuff to your device, and it supports creators. So nine ninety nine a month. That's I'm willing to pay. What else are you subscribed to? I I think. I'm about like 10 services. So for me, cell service, I pay for my own cell service. In fact, for my YouTube channel, I'm actually paying for like four different cell services right now. So that got expensive wow. quickly. Yeah. Are are you like, do you pay for yours? Are you part of a family plan? I'm, I'm still part, um, f- part of a family plan and my family also pays for cable. Uh, we also, I guess cable is not a subscription though, technically. It de- like sometimes well, it is. I like, guess it is, but it's it's monthly. So is that a subscription? Yeah, yeah I that, guess that's the definition of a subscription. I mean, is it bundled in with your internet? Like, what's what's making you pause that it's not a subscription? Well, I was just because you can cancel it at any time, which I guess you can do with a subscription. But it just I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is. You're subscribed to, uh, and then also Spotify, Hulu, and Netflix are all my family. Yeah, have. yeah. I have I have Spotify, YouTube Premium. My family pays for Netflix. I also have the creative apps. I'm I'm oh, using yeah. Adobe, so that's another like twenty bucks a month right there. Yeah, Adobe was rumored, I know, recently to be possibly raising the prices to well, basically effectively doubling them, which was I think that is one of the downsides of the uh, really the subscription economy is even if like for example if they lost half their users, they'd still be making the same amount of money. Right. Yeah. If they doubled their price, yeah, and that caused half of their users to leave, they'd still be making the same. Yeah. Amount they of money. they only need more than half their users to stay in order to make more money by doubling their price, which is something you couldn't do if you know if people were buying, uh, you know, product like outright. 
because people would just hold on to the old product for longer. Right. You doubled your price. Yeah. And um, I actually have a lot of like website-based internet services because of my, I have a website, bestphoneplans.net. And like everything associated with that really shoots up. So you better be getting money from you for that plug right there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, They'll give some more plugs. I'm using Webflow. That's a great service. I really enjoy using them. Uh, That's like $20 a month. Um, And then like with the Namecheap stuff, that's probably like $10 to $20 a month as well. I'm not paying for internet. I'm able to use my my family internet, but that's you know that's also kind of expensive. And I I have some interesting ones. I'm curious to hear if you have any uh, more unique subscriptions. Well, well, I was gonna say that yeah, a lot of these are up till now are you know very internet based, very digital goods. Because like I mean, I'm also subscribed to like Dropbox and I- iCloud for storage. You know, so a lot of a lot of storage based, cloud based stuff that isn't actually physical items. But yeah, there's more interesting ones. You know, like meal services, uh, you know, Quip, the toothbrush brand that sponsors basically every podcast on the earth. Uh, Me Undies is another spot. All these are actually big podcast sponsors and they're subscription based uh, services because it's it's very easy. A, they're not regionally located, which is, you know, podcasts are very global. Uh, so that's a good fit for subscription services. And it only takes really people trying it once and then hoping that they forget about it and just stay subscribed. Uh, to get them hooked. Do you think there's a correlation because people subscribe to podcasts that they'd be more likely to subscribe to another service? No, I think what it is is really that uh, subscription services are able to offer huge discounts on the initial right to get you in the door. So you get a lot of time, you know, use code uh, XYZ to, you know, Pinch get, to Zoom for yeah, get, 20% yeah, off. 80, your first or like $80 free. off your first, exactly, you know, yeah. $80 off, $20 off, uh, 40% off your first one. And then the idea is to hopefully get you hooked and to get you liking it enough that you'll just stay subscribed to it for a couple more and then they'll make their money. Uh, yeah, that that is the strategy. It sometimes works really well. I, I know you you got Equip, right? Yeah, I've tried out uh, Equip. Uh, personally, my review would be, or just quick review would be that it's not much more than an average toothbrush. The, they really talk about that vibration. I have a Sonic Air. It's nothing on the level of that. Uh, basically, the only good thing that it's for is it, they send you a new brush head every three months. And so it, that's what de- dentists recommend, that you should replace your brush head that often. So it's a good way to you know not have to remember to go buy a new brush. It's like a set uh, and forget kind of deal. Exactly. I mean, that's what a lot of these go on, is that the, that the company does a lot of the lifting Work, uh, like the leg work on like for example the meal services i personally have tried over four i think four or five of them now and i really like the ability to not have to a go shopping for a meal like a new recipe and be like oh i gotta get this this where is this even located you know and also the ability to not have to even decide like all right what are we gonna have for dinner tonight you can just be like this is what we're having this is what was sent to me i think yeah i think that's Actually, the biggest point to subscription services is what you don't pay for with money, you pay for with time. And what some of these services, a lot of these services are doing is saving you time, adding a huge amount of convenience and kind of uh, giving you some more freedom to do other things with your life. Yeah, that that's pretty true. I think there's probably, I'd say there's probably three different categories of subscriptions there is uh, the online ones, which we were talking about, which are like content, 
or online services. Media. Yeah, media. Then there is the goods market where you're delivered goods. Maybe like uh, Harry's, Dollar Shave Club. Stitch Fix. Yeah. Meundies. Meal, even the meal services. The meal services start to bridge into where it's an actual service rather than just goods. And then I think the one in the middle, which is uh, possibly something like Movie Pass or some car sharing ones, are where it's a, it's a service in the world that you know you're going to be using a lot, so it, it makes sense to pay a monthly subscription to it. I, I would almost put like tools in there as well. I know as we, we as okay. created, we have Adobe. Uh, I recently signed up and gave Soundstripe a, a try for some music and some videos. And like these are my unique things. I pay $15 a year for Bear, which is a note-taking application, and $36 a year for Todoist, a to-do list uh, tool and an application with an online platform as well. So those are kind of like utilities that I feel I get value out of and I'm willing to pay for their continued support and development and for adding new features. Yeah, that that's I think yeah, those could probably go. It's interesting thinking about where subscriptions came from. Like originally, I'm trying to think probably the original subscriptions like maybe like a club membership or you know like a gym membership or a magazine subscription. And and those are most backwards like they want you to sign up and then like never use the service. Well, I think a lot of them want you to never this stuff. Well, I guess this, this, that's kind of maybe that's the difference. Is that something like a you know a, a HelloFresh? You're paying a fee, and you're getting sent it uh, no matter what. And yeah, the stuff could just rot on the, you know, the your, on your doorstep. Porch. You forgot to cancel. You're on vacation. Oh, no. oh yeah. no! You're just piled up with twenty boxes. The raccoons get it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. You could get something like that, and it doesn't matter if you use it or not. Whereas something like Movie Pass, which that ended terribly, or you know, some of these car subscription companies. Obviously, you're getting more of your money's worth the more you use it. How do you how do you feel about like uh, we just talked about gaming, like game subscriptions or um, like app subscriptions? How do you feel subscribing to a service versus versus purchasing something outright? I don't know. I go back and forth because I really do like the idea of being able to own stuff. Uh, it's there's something that's comes that's nice about it. However, in a digital world it really makes a lot more sense to effectively lease or rent content and buy access to libraries of space. That way, you know, you don't have to constantly store, you know, all your iTunes songs on your computer or all have, you know, a rack full of CDs and uh, DVDs or games and stuff like that. So that kind of makes sense. However, I think, I don't know. What do you think? Do you I like think that or? I, I love, subscription services and it's it's kind of awful because you you kind of get locked in like you're paying so much per month and the more and more services you have it just adds up so frequently or it adds up a lot in, in cost but i feel like i'm getting a lot of value from the services and in some regards it's almost better and i'm thinking of like game development right all of these developers work really hard to code develop and construct this immersive world this engaging storyline and then they sell it and that's it. And if there's any problems or they want to introduce new features, there's not a source of recurring revenue for them to continue the support and development of that game. So that's where I think subscription services make a lot of sense. Everyone has recurring expenses. And if you're able to contribute a little bit 
each month or each year at a much lower cost to help those services and features improve, that's something I, I really believe in and support. Well, I think that is a good, maybe the good side of subscription services for, I mean, I'm saying good side for consumers. Subscription services universally are good for business. Because yeah, because they get people anyway, locked in. And yeah, exactly. They know their people, financials. It's amazing for them. Yeah. So business sense, I mean, the subscription economy generated $420 billion in 2015. That's enormous. That, does, that almost doesn't seem right. But yeah, that, that seems about right, I guess. Uh, and but what we're okay where I don't think that the subscription economy is beneficial to consumers is stuff like Amazon Prime, for example. Yeah. So how 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 do you feel that is negative for consumers? It seems great. Like I click a button, I get free two day shipping and all my orders. I'm getting what I want. I use Amazon well, I all mean, the time. Like how basically how is they this bad? they've they've proven that. I mean, Amazon Prime has gone up. It's amazing how much it's gone up in price over the past five, six years. I think it originally was, was it $80 a year, something like that, $79? Uh, yes, I think it started at 79 a month. Or a year. Excuse me, a year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good save, good save. <laughs> Very Ooh, pricey. We would have been paying a lot really on shipping. Yeah, more than the actual cost of shipping your packages. Exactly. But hey, you got to have that subscription. Anyways, yeah. So it was, I think it was $79 a year originally. Now I'm pretty sure it's 129 or it's 119 a year something like that it's it's gotten more more and more expensive however the the central key is that amazon you know yeah they might lose money shipping giving you free shipping but people who subscribe to amazon prime feel like they need to buy stuff from amazon in order to get their money's worth from uh you know the the prime subscription they're paying for and because of that people with amazon prime uh, subscriptions or our members and get that free two-day shipping or the free now shipping they pay, buy a ton ton more on amazon this is this works out really great for businesses another great example is costco you pay i think it's a hundred dollars a year to become a member of costco and then anytime you need to go to the grocery store like where do you think to go right you basically only think to go to costco because that's what you're paying for same thing you want to get your money's worth you want to get the deals and it, it seems like this works out, right? All right, I order a lot of stuff on Amazon. I'm getting everything delivered with the free shipping. In the end, it ends up saving me money. Costco, the, same I think, deal. I think the, the problem is it taps into our, our, the human, our human psychology. So yeah, if you, if you can only, you know, be like, I'm using Costco only to buy the things that I would be buying anyways, it's great. But what usually happens is you then end up start uh, justifying purchases. You're being like, Hey, well, I'm, you know, I'm using this two day shipping. I'm, I'm already paying for this anyways. I, I don't really need this, but I want it. So these are two factors that are pushing me to buy it. Let me just buy it anyways, you know, and you slowly just start buying more and more things. I know I recently, or not recently, a couple months ago, canceled my Amazon prime subscription. And I've noticed it is ridiculous how much less I've bought on Amazon. Like you, you've I'm really noticed it. It is, it is incredible. Compare my purchase history. The past year before I canceled it, I think I'd probably bought over 45 items at least. Um, in wow. this past four, three, four months, I've maybe bought three items, two items. Yeah. It's it's like incredible, the difference. And a lot of the stuff, yeah, it might be stuff I need and, and I went and bought elsewhere, maybe a little more money. But a lot of it was stuff I really didn't need. It was just compulsive purchases because the app is right easily on my phone. 
I just, all right, let me just get that boom, two day shipping done. It'll be there in two days. I like that instant gratification is so great. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I really, I would advise people, you know, give it a try. The Amazon prime challenge started up as a trending thing. Uh, you know, if you're subscribed and you don't really use the, you know, the TV services and stuff like that, give it a try, you know, unsubscribe, they'll give you your refund and see how much you don't order. Um, and see how much it saves you potentially. I have never been an Amazon Prime member and sign up now Stetson actually I think you need to get on it I'll send you a link I will confirm I don't shop a lot on Amazon in fact you know some of the news that comes out about these Amazon workers and the conditions they're going through it can be kind of negative and the website I've I've, that's that's an understatement I think (laughs) yeah it's it can be really really bad awful abysmal for the, for the for one of the largest companies in the world to they be paying can really do a lot so better. little they can do significantly zero better. in taxes yeah uh the company i've started supporting is bnh i i really enjoy them and the, and their service so often you know i have to actually they ha- they have two free they have free shipping i'm not a member but they just give me free shipping so i well, support they don't have a membership yeah there's no membership it's just yeah so I, I will definitely agree with that. If you sign up for a membership, you're significantly more likely to be making purchases from that company. And that's why companies have the memberships. Like they're basically roping customers in and boosting their sales. Well, you know what our this comes from originally is I, I was thinking of theme parks are one of the original like companies or business models that was, you know, buy a membership and then we're going to make a ton more money off you because, you know, all right, Six Flags or Disneyland let me buy a yearly pass all right maybe that's you know the price of like sometimes it's like it's equivalent to like two tickets so you're like oh if I go twice then I've already made my money back right and and anything after then it's I'm I'm making money off the company or something like I've somehow schemed them no they know you're gonna go and buy you know a soda when you're there buy you know a shirt or you know slushy food yeah, everything, theme parks especially are a really good example because once you go through those gates, everything in there, any money that you drop anywhere is going right to them. So it's not the subscription service. It's what you buy once you're subscribed. Yeah. So maybe, okay, maybe I have to redefine this thing of that. There's, there's two different categories. One category is where it's a subscription service uh, to get in to buy stuff and to, you know, where they can make more money off you and, and they want like, yeah, like, so like Amazon, uh, theme parks, um, what else would be in there? I don't, can't really think of anything else, but those are the two that pop in my head. Where example, a gym, you're not going to go spend more money at a gym. You're either going to use it or, or not use it. They don't really care that much. I mean, yeah, a little more wear and tear on equipment, uh, you know, HelloFresh, if they send it to you and it rots, who cares? Um, you know, YouTube the environment. Premium. The environment cares. But like YouTube Premium, do they care if you're watching it? Not really. They're You're paying $9.99 a month. Yeah, they'd rather have you more engaged, but it doesn't really matter. Okay, so with all these services, which ones do you think are worth signing up for? Are there any you're considering canceling? And, you know, what, like, what should our listeners be thinking about? Well, the interesting thing with all of this is you, I really get how it works because once you're signed up to something, 
you're and you've used it for like three or four months and you've kind of gotten used to it it's really hard to unsubscribe don't you're locked in basically you're locked in i mean if i was like all right let me just unsubscribe from spotify now well i don't even wait how do you even listen to music without spotify i don't even like what do you have to go get an orchestra to follow you around and play me like it's almost like you have to reinvent the whole wheel in your mind like what to do you have to change your habits i think that's another big thing like true subscribing to things builds these habits like what do i oh i want to buy a new pair of shoes having that amazon prime subscription just puts amazon as the first place to go uh whereas maybe if you're someone who isn't subscribed you would think to go to a local store and you'd have many more options to consider you know i'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen companies like starbucks or dunkin donuts or these coffee ones open up coffee subscriptions because i feel like that would be something that could be pretty lucrative getting people to come into locations to get their coffee like that's a habit i i actually this kind of this kind of plays into an idea i've had uh called like the subscription life where life is a subscription service you get a certain amount you know whatever you make and you can choose your plan like all right this plan includes coffee every day i've got all organic food I can watch a movie like once a week. Like that's your plan. And it'll include a car and the kind of house you have. So you subscribe to an identity essentially? You Yeah, you subscribe to every material item that you own just becomes part of your service. And you just pay that amount each month and you just get to use and enjoy those. I, like I want, the, what, what about people? Could you be like, I want the suburban family uh, lifestyle, two kids I, and, a, and a wife. All right. Yeah, that's, that, you know add on now feature. we're getting into subscribing to people i think that we've gotten into definitely a dicey territory of like prostitution and uh we've like got a back out so back out let's beep 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 abort 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 mission get out of here eject yeah command shift two no that's, command option that's, q that's, command option escape that's kind of true i wonder if subscription uh services are kind of the way of the future as far as like art does it make more sense for the environment and for a uh, culture and society to rather than being acquiring items, you know, physically, for example, if like cars, you know, do you subscribe for a, a driverless car taxi service where you just say, hey, I need to go here to the, today at this time and you go outside and there's a car ready to pick you up? I think we could definitely see that happen. And I think it makes a lot of sense because we are generally a very habitual species. So we tend to do very similar activities or things on a reasonably regular basis having these subscription services i think makes sense in in a lot of different ways the the areas i think it makes the most sense are like music like pick your music service it makes so much more sense to to do that than to buy each individual song and you know maybe pick your entertainment service like maybe you're really into youtube so you hit up youtube red or or excuse me youtube premium that they rebranded or maybe sign up for netflix or maybe sign up for hulu um and like in those instances i think it makes a lot of sense however i think this this is different than really cord cutting because cord cutting is the cord was essentially another subscription that you were subscribed to you know the cable the cord was a subscription service with ads yeah what you're getting is you're getting a subscription service without ads which is what i mean on on your and on your schedule but i think what's interesting with with cord cutting is essentially you know uh, in the next year or two, you're going to be having to pay the equivalent to what cable cost uh, to be able to get all the content you want. Now that Disney's launching their own service, you know, 
you gotta have Disney, Hulu, you gotta have Amazon Prime, HBO, then CBS, like NLB. By the time you get to it, you're paying more than you used to pay for cable. So I think the that that's a slightly different thing and a kind of just a rebranding and kind of a tweaking of the subscription model to be more uh like kind of what consumers want, which is just they want to have access to the content when they want it. Uh, which is which is different than just the prevalence and the transformation of whole industries into consu- uh, into like subscription models where you're having you know like shopping the meal service boom switching there or uh, you know clothes shopping subscription Stitch Fix and Hello or FabFitFun you know like that it's very interesting there are definitely some items like clothing I I don't buy any clothing I've been wearing the same thing for far too long. Like my mom that buys the same me shirt you've been wearing for three years. Yeah, I, this great. one's actually a little bit more recent. Um, but I mean, basically, like I've had the same no, pair I mean, of shorts for like. You've been wearing that shirt for three years. Like you haven't taken it off, right? Oh yeah. Well, thank you for noticing. What gave it away? Yeah, I think it was the the whole um, fact that there's nothing left except for a little rag hanging over your shoulder. That was the that giveaway. Gave it away. Oh yeah. man, right. yeah, I've been thinking about a new one for the past year and a half we'll see what happens well, um, the but- interesting thing i think would be what if i mean because cell phones are kind of more and more becoming subscription models not not the plans but the actual cell phones themselves where you lease them essentially for a year or two years and then you upgrade to the newer model that so that's what i'm saying like for some people clothing does make a lot of sense as a subscription service for not not, not for me but uh, my question for you is like what about technology like i upgrade my phone way too frequently every year some people are like me every year um how would you feel about like a laptop subscription or a computer subscription this is i don't know because i think it would have to be um yeah that's an interesting one because i was going to initially say like camera subscription i wouldn't necessarily like because part of the thing with a camera is it because it's so intricate a lot of times is learning how to use it really and you don't get the real value of the camera until you really, you know, you know how to easily get through the features and all the menus and stuff. So a subscription in something that's that complicated uh, and really, you know, takes a while to learn is kind of counterintuitive and not really productive, I think. What about like, um, yeah, like a computer, like would that make sense, do you think, for the environment? Let's say a lot of people buy computers and what do they do with the old computer? They, nothing, like it sits in a closet they give it to a relative or maybe it breaks or something. What if you essentially leased it for a certain amount of time, then traded it in and got a new one right when you needed one? Wouldn't that be better for the environment? Like all of a sudden, all of your old technology is being reused. It can be repurposed. Again, like maybe someone has that, they they have a lower budget, a tighter budget. So their quote unquote subscription life, they can afford maybe just an older computer and it's just being kind of passed down. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know, I don't know the exact uh, scientific like studies on that. I do know for meal services, I always used to think they weren't as green as, you know, going to the store or going to the farmer's market. Uh, and they might not be as green as shopping at the farmer's market or something like that. But I do know that compared to like, um, you know, shopping at a grocery store, that they're actually a lot more better for the environment, a lot more better is that right? A lot I, better for the environment. Yeah, there you go. Overall, even though they, you know, they all come in, you know, boxes with all this packaging because they're able to allocate just the amount of food that you need. Whereas if you go to the grocery store, you know, 
25% of the food that gets shipped to a grocery store ends up in the dumpster. Uh, and then, you know, from what you buy, maybe you buy a pack of dinner rolls and you guys only eat seven of them and one of them goes moldy and you end up chucking out too. So a lot of waste comes out of our food stream uh, and meal subscription services are able to really directly give you the amount of food that you need and not have as much waste. It seems like another common theme throughout these services is a direct-to-consumer model. Do you think we'll see a direct-to-consumer model with food? Like, could a grocery store, instead of being a physical store, just be like a shipping center and, and deliver all of these portioned ingredients and, and portioned meals to people? I mean, I know already Amazon on their site, they have subscription ability for a lot of popular food items, uh, you know, like uh, maybe soda or, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, you know what food items are, right? Like yes, flour. food items. I also Stuff eat food eat. items. I Oh, yes. I know of this food items. Which, Delicious which food item eat. snack. Yes. But yeah, anyways, Amazon already has this. Instacart, I don't think they have a subscription, but I could easily see them rolling one out. They, you know, they do have one for shipping and like the delivery. Okay. So yeah, I think it's only a matter of time and maybe that's going to be bad for, well, actually most definitely it's going to be bad for grocery stores, but you probably will see them, yeah, transition into kind of localized shipping hubs or something like that. That could be fascinating. And, you know, even some of the items in our house, like your house, you are essentially paying off that loan. That's like a subscription almost or, or uh, leasing a car. That's also like a subscription. What is the one subscription you couldn't go without? There, mm, okay. I'm looking at so the biggest if I, one. If I had to say Stetson, no more subscriptions. The biggest one for me is the internet. Like you can't purchase the internet. You have to subscribe to a plan from an ISP. Okay, okay. So, so other than services, that's not or that's not a like a necessary because I think honestly, internet should be it should be a utility utility more. But something other than a utility. So we're either talking something that's media, something that's a creative service, or something that's, uh, you know, a, a good, physical good. What could I not live without? Yes. That is the um, question. I think I'm going to go do, do, YouTube do, do. Premium. Is that what you're looking for? That, I mean, that's not... I, I, I mean, personally. Webflow. I would definitely do Webflow because that's what I'm running my business off of right if now. If you could only have one, you don't think you could find some alternative where you buy another software and pay for it? I guess I could. Kirby is an alternative CMS that may work. I mean, in terms of like what I have, there's no way I could transition to anything. So I'd have to keep Webflow. Um, but in terms of all the services, I would be willing to cut... Um, like I put Apple News Plus as an example for like a, a news service or whatever, but I'd be willing to cut Spotify. I could cut Netflix. Um, I like wouldn't be able to cut the phone service. Um, but see, I for for me, Adobe I think CC I could cut. I think for me, probably the probably the biggest one, honestly, would be Dropbox or some sort of cloud storage, because. Also, that's what a lot of these services offer. Like Spotify essentially is offering cloud storage for a limitless library, right? I mean, it's not not really cloud storage, but it's the ability to access their cloud. It's like a of, similar concept. Like media. they have yeah. the infrastructure and you're just getting access to their library of songs on their database. Yeah. 
But for me, yeah, it would be Dropbox or Apple iCloud or, you know, some storage service because that is really, for me as a content creator and someone, you know, who just is using multiple devices, being able to access, or Google Drive is another good example. I mean, it's free usually, but being able to, you know, upload something here or edit something on this device and go to another device, that is something I definitely am willing to pay for. That see, That's interesting. I actually went the physical route in terms of storage. I have a G-RAID drive sitting on my desk that's eight terabytes. I miss out on all the cloud features, but it fulfills my need to store and back up my files. Well, I have, I mean, I have multiple, uh, you know, drives, but the thing is that none of them offer, even if you offer, you know, build your own home server, uh, you know, yeah, you can set up, you know, the ability to access it remotely and stuff like that, but it's never going to be as good, uh, um, like a UI as like Dropbox or something on the mobile device and it's never going to be as fast and uh, offer as many like uh, like services and actual like things you can do. Features. have yeah. Has a cloud service any ever like failed? Like my concern is my external drive, it could fail. I could lose all the data I have backed up, all my personal information. For some reason, I feel really trusting. When I upload something to Google Drive, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but I feel like it's just guaranteed going to be there. It, like, is yeah. that a legitimate concern? Is that possible? Or, or what's your take on I that? I think I think that's a your you. There's a lot more worries that should be higher on your list uh, because I mean, yeah, okay, Dropbox might go down for like a little bit or have a little outage, but they have multiple server locations across the country around the world, you know, so. Your thing is, or your files usually backed up in multiple locations, encrypted in different areas. You know, maybe part of the files here, part of it's there. But yeah, it's very safe. Most likely, more safe than being on a singular drive in your house. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's also what you get—not just the ability to access in different locations, but that sense of security of like, yeah, it's safe. That peace of mind—that's that's something worth paying for for a lot of people too. Like knowing it's safe, knowing it's secure. Gabe, as someone who uses iCloud Drive, Dropbox, and Google Drive, which cloud storage solution uh, do you feel works the best for you? Well, I think, okay, for, for people who are really just not needing that much, I'd go with Google first because they offer the most for free. You know, 15 you get gigabytes. Google Drive, 15, exactly, 15 gigabytes for free. Uh, Apple... And Google, I think both also offer like 200 gigabytes or 100 gigabytes for about uh, $2 a month. Yeah, I think that's right. $3 a month. So you can you can get a, a good amount. But if you really want a lot of storage, uh, Dropbox just actually upgraded their plan for this year now. So you pay $120 for a year and you get two terabytes of storage. It used to be $99 for one terabyte. Now 120 for two terabytes. That's the one that I really love. Uh, Dropbox can handle multiple file devices, fairly good, uh, you know, streaming ability, though I wouldn't really rely on it as much as YouTube or something like that. And also they have a desktop app for Mac and PC, which makes it really easy to, you know, sync certain folders or even your whole uh, desktop or, you know, hard drive to the cloud. I will say Dropbox's application is what makes it really strong. Their online experience, I think, is really weak. For example, like Google Drive, I feel like I can confidently upload and access and manage my files right from their online website. 
Whereas with Dropbox, I'd really want to download that application and be using that to kind of upload and manage my files. And for iCloud, I just want to comment, this is, this is a unique problem one of my friends has. With iCloud Photo Library or with iCloud Drive, all of the files you need are downloaded locally on your computer, but there's no way to delete them. There's no way to be like, all right, I'm done looking at this like 10 gig video. Will you please offload it? No way to do that. It'll just stay yeah. there until it's they, they, automatically offloaded. Exactly. Yeah, they they use AI or some algorithm to determine, hey, you're probably not going to use this video again. So let's uh, get it off your computer and then you can choose to download it when you want. Yeah, that that's one reason why Dropbox is better. You can set up specific folders and then select, you know, a lot of times, for example, with my Photoshop files, I have one file called Photoshop and within it, I have all my files. Uh, and one folder is is called on Mac, and the other one is called off Mac. And so the stuff, I, the Photoshop files I need, well, actually, I don't think I have an on Mac one. I think I just have an off Mac. So all the ones that I'm actively using or that I might need to go back to soon, I keep just in the folder of Photoshop. And then within within the Photoshop folder, then I have that off Mac one, which is when I'm done for something and just want it simply archived and backed up. If I ever need to come back to it in a year or so, I drop it in there, and that one takes it off my Mac and just saves it in the cloud. That's a brilliant solution. And again, the problem with iCloud or, or yeah, is that, iCloud is that, Drive. Is that golden shopping cart worthy? Yeah, that absolutely, Gabe. You, it might be. The shopping cart be. is wheeling towards you, but it's a $9.99 a month subscription in order to keep it. Oh, no. I, anyway, I'm gonna the, get hooked the problem on it. with iCloud but Drive. But I'm winning them so often, I think you'd think I was paying a subscription, honestly. <laughs> Just delivered on a regular biweekly basis. Yeah, um, exactly. Anyway, the, the problem is if you can't choose which files are local and on the cloud, essentially your hard drive will fill up until it's almost full. And then you have to rely on this software to offload data that you don't like. There's no way. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. So, so yeah, go with go with uh, Dropbox unless you don't really want to pay for it. And I, then try I really Google. like Google Drive. Um, and yeah. I think their pricing is probably similar as well. Unless you're, and if you're only Mac uh, and you want something simple that works well with Mac, you know, iCloud will probably work for you if you don't need something too complicated and are just looking for simply backing up some photos, maybe a document here or there, backing up GarageBand files, etc. It may work. I would, I would personally lean more towards Drive or Dropbox or Box. What are you, what are you currently using for music? Just, I mean, we're getting to the I, end of this episode. Yeah, here. so we're, we're winding down. I currently, funny you ask that, I now have all three major music subscriptions. So I personally started off YouTube Premium, formerly called YouTube Red, was a no brainer for me. I watch YouTube videos all the time. I despise advertisements and I'm wholeheart, like I pay for premium versions of apps to get rid of ads. I love an ad free experience. When YouTube offered an ad free experience for $10 a month, I was on that. And I was using Google Play Music for music. Awful interface, but it has a lot of songs. I recently signed up for Spotify because more people were using that. I'm in a family plan. That comes out to like six or three to six dollars a month for, for my share. So that's awesome. And then I just got Apple U Music when I signed up for uh, Verizon's um, above unlimited plan. So I'll be I'll be revisiting that. Uh, but really I use Spotify or uh, YouTube premium for music. Yeah, I think Spotify is the best uh, music service for cross compatibility on you know iOS, Android, Mac, PC, smart speakers, etc. 
And then, you know, if I guess if you're really only into Apple uh, devices, go with Apple Music, though they do have an Android app and they do have the ability to, you know, use it now on Amazon Echoes. So that's a possibility. I've been fairly happy with Apple Music. Uh, the other thing, Google Music, it does come with YouTube Premium. So that's a pretty good thing that you get two things kind of for the price of one. Or that was formerly Google Music. Now it's YouTube Music. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So Google Play Music still exists. And now I think they're trying to transition people to YouTube Music. I'm not sure their strategy. For me, the YouTube Music interface is better. But I still feel like all my songs are on Google Play Music. So I'm not... It's it's just a weird situation. Yeah, Amazon also does offer a music subscription service because what don't they offer? Uh, the only thing I found that really good for is if you have a lot of Echo devices, it offers the ability to be like, you know, ask your Echo, play a song that goes like this and, you know, say the words or the, of the chorus or something. And it's that's a pretty cool feature, especially for someone like me who constantly gets songs stuck in their head and doesn't know what they are and be like, ugh, I need to hear this song, you know, so... That's one awesome thing there, but if you're really just looking for something that you can use on your, uh, you know, your phone and your tablet, and then maybe your computer and smart TV, yeah, something like Spotify really seems like the way to go. Spotify is strong. I hear Apple Music is one of the better platforms for supporting creators, and um, I've actually thought about it to kind of try out using Siri with uh, the music because you can say, you know, uh, assistant name please play this song. <laughs> I love how and, we have to try to get around and saying any of their names. Siri will play the song, add it to your playlist. Being able to control your music with your voice is awesome. I don't feel I can really do that with anything else but Apple Music at this time. Well, you do know that, I mean, with iOS 13, they're adding the ability to ask, at least with CarPlay, um, for Siri to play stuff uh, from specific apps. But so. I can't add it to a playlist or... Um, okay all like, right, like that like well, being able to manage my library is kind of what i'm getting now at. you're just getting picky yeah so uh, what i mean what what are you personally using i use uh spotify yeah. personally that's what i use i do still have a subscription i paid for a year of the amazon music just to use on my echo devices but i really probably will end up canceling that at the end of this year and i've considered I have a three-month subscription for Apple Music, tr the trial waiting. I've considered signing up for that for the summer, possibly, because I do a lot more driving and I have CarPlay in my car, so it's nice to be able to do voice commands for music, but I don't that know. It's easier to kind of ha have your music and playlists all in one place. Oh, yeah. I, I have playlists on uh, Play Music and on Spotify. It's kind of a disaster. Um, I, the one... So I... If you do Apple Music, that could tide you over until iOS 13 comes out, and then you can immediately transition into Spotify for your car. Oh, Stetson. Thinking about that. That is a very good point. That I might have to wheel that, uh, Play that card. shopping cart back to you. Ooh. Oh, but my. I've already subscribed to it, so sorry. I think it's, I, that was the only, it's only one person subscription, <laughs> so I don't think we can change it. But yeah, that's really it for this episode, I think, unless you have anything else to add for subscriptions. Uh, speaking of which, are you subscribed to this podcast? Guess what? It doesn't cost $1, $2, $3, $4, $5, $6, $7, it's free. $9, 10 Thank you. I was just going to keep going until you cut me off. So yeah, podcast subscriptions are free. 
There are some premium ones out there, but this Ours one is, is definitely free. free. In fact, we're 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 giving it to you for when you subscribe, we'll give you a, a like a feeling of gratitude. Um here, this is thank you. Woohoo. Yeah. Thank you. That's so you get you get that plus uh, a bi-weekly episode taking a deep yes. dive into technology. I mean, I personally have learned so much from our podcast, haven't you? It's absolutely riveting, Gabe. I haven't stopped listening since we started recording. Uh, I, I gotta say, I fast-forwarded through that Pitch Me the Con segment, so... <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I but, I think that's yeah. it. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I recently started using Overcast. I, I like the features it has. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this, you know how to find us. And if you have a friend out there who you think might like listening to two weird tech YouTubers talk about different things that might be tangentially rated, related to technology, then hey, send them a link and say, check this out. Send them a podcast to get started. Yeah, uh, hopefully not this episode. I thought this was great. I almost won the shopping cart. That was huge. That was that's huge. why we know it wasn't a good episode. <laughs> okay, that's going to wrap up this episode. You can find us on Twitter at Pinch to Zoom Pod, on Instagram at Pinch to Zoom Podcast. Shoot us an email at Pinch to Zoom Podcast at gmail.com. And on MySpace at No, this site still exists somehow, but we are most definitely not on it.com. And that's it. Thank you for listening. That's not a real link. I'm Stetson. And I'm still Gabe. Oh, wait. My, oh, my MySpace profile got deleted. No. He's not Gabe anymore. Uh, that wraps yeah. up this vote. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. I, I still do have a MySpace account. You, what? I, I never made one. LinkedIn's it's like my new platform. It's basically just a music service. Did, wait, didn't they delete all of their songs? MySpace? Like, they had a huge hack and, like, everything got removed. That's it. I'm switching back to MySpace. <laughs> Wait, after hearing that?